I, I just I love hearing about the end times and just being aware of the times and being aware of the deception out there. Amen. Um, this is a wicked and evil day that we're living in. Uh, I wanted to go to, um, if possible, uh, just for a few moments, go to uh, Luke 4. And uh, well, actually, let's start at Luke 9. Let's go to Luke 9. Um, I just wanted to talk for a few moments. Uh, as uh, Pastor mentioned, uh, me and my mother last night, we were talking. And um, one of the things that I, I've been studying out, not fully uh, uh, studying out, but I have been studying it out, is the personage of Jesus. And getting more into who Jesus was, what um, attracted people to Jesus, how did he minister to people, um, just how did he function while he was here on earth as a man. Um, if we go to Luke 9, chapter, uh, or chapter 9, verse 18, uh, we're going to get a little insight on who Jesus was. And I hope that this uh, a short sermon blesses you today. Um, Luke chapter 9, verses 18. <clears throat> and it happened... As he was alone praying, that his disciples joined him. And he asked, saying, who do the crowds say that I am? Now, let's just stop right there. I think if we could ask ourselves, who do people say we are? Or if we were to ask other people, who do people say we are? Let's think about the answers that we might be able to get back. Who do people say that we are? Because Jesus asked this. Now, there is, you know, a, a, a certain level of uh, not caring that you have to have, you know, as a Christian and as a believer. But it is a valid question. Who do people say we are as individuals, um, and as believers, right? That's important. It was important to Jesus. But he says, who do the crowd say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. All right, y'all following? So let's go to Luke uh, 418. Let's go to Luke 418. Luke 418. We're going to see why Peter said that right here. We can go up to 16. And so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And his custom was, he went into the synagogues on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, what's important about this is that before Jesus went and started in his ministry, he had a foundation of who he was. I feel like as though a lot of times, especially in these days, that Christians are not effective in ministry, they're not effective in their lives and bringing other people because they don't fully understand who they are. 
who they are in Christ, who their uh, spirit man uh, is. They don't understand the tools that they have at their disposal, the things that God has put in them and the gifts that he's created in them. They don't understand who they are. But as we see right here that Jesus is very confident in who he is. He has an established uh, a, a word uh, uh, from the scripture about who he is. And I think that for us, we have to understand to go to the scriptures, the scriptures that talked about our identity in Christ so that we could get a firm foundation in who we are. See, a lot of times we're asking ourselves, well, what, how can we disciple better or how can we evangelize better or, or what are some, some, uh, some, some physical tactics that we can use to bring people into the church? But y'all, I'm going to tell you that the foundation is not in the tactics. The foundation is not in, you know, what you're trying to do or the physical uh, uh, tools or the physical wisdom, the conventional wisdom. It's not in that. It is in your foundation of who you are in Christ. You got to get a full understanding and revelation of that. And Jesus had that, right? So let's go over to Luke uh, chapter 9. And I told you it's going to be really quick. I don't have a bunch of points, uh, but I, I do wanted to show you this. Notice that he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? He's anointing me to preach the gospel to the poor. Peter said that you are Christ of God. Now, if you ever do a, a study on the word Christ, it means the anointing one and his anointing. And so when we become Christians, the beginning of the word is Christ, we're saying that we ascribe to Jesus' anointing as the anointed one. We share in the same anointing that Jesus had. So right now we're going to go to a scripture that shows you what the anointing does. So let's go over to Luke chapter 9. No, let's go to Luke 8. I'm sorry. Luke 8. Verse 40. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. And Jesus was returning to Galilee. So when Jesus returned, the multitude welcomed him, for they were waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, begging him to come to his house. Everybody say, begging. Everybody say begging. begging. When you are anointed, when you have, when people recognize that you have an anointing on your life, you have a call on your life, and that you understand who you are in Christ Jesus, they get to the point where they beg for you. They beg for you to intercede or to minister to them on their behalf. When the anointing is on you, and when you realize the anointing is on you to do something, people come to you. So what does that mean? That means that there has to be a draw. There is a draw between people and your anointing. There is a draw, a connection that brings people to you and your anointing. So a lot of times we're asking the wrong questions. We're asking, well, how can we draw people to us? What gimmicks, what things can we do? Which is why, uh, and, uh, and to mention this, I'm not going to stay on this too long because I'm not a pastor, but which is why there are a lot of self, you know, uh, proposed men of God um, who look for tactics or look for things like pastor was saying, you know, painting with a twist and all this stuff to bring people in. But it's not the, the tactics that bring people in and draw people. It is the anointing and the understanding of the anointing that resides on the inside of you. Jesus understood that. So 
Jairus comes and falls down at Jesus' feet, begging him to come to his house because he recognizes that Jesus has an anointing. And he said, for he had only one daughter about 12 years of age, and, he was, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude thronged him, and this is what I wanted to get to. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who has spent all, their, all her livelihood on physicians, could not be healed by any, and came from behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, The master, master the multitude thronged and pressed you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that uh, she was not hidden and came trembling, falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. In this passage right here, we see the fulfillment of Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. We see that Jesus, who has been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captives free and everything that it mentioned, we see the fulfillment of this woman coming and just touching the hem of his garment and she being immediately healed. My question is, is that at any given time, any of us in here... Can somebody come to us, put their faith, draw their faith on your anointing, and have a miracle or a healing or something that they believe in God for done? See, a lot of times, like I said, we have this um, idea that it, it takes tactics and it takes certain things in order to draw people. But it's very, very clear in the word, as we just read, that it is the anointing that draws people. You have to know what is God has called you to. You have to know how, what God has built you up to do. You have to know that you were born in such a time as this. You have to have confidence in who God created you to be. You have to have confidence in, in what he's represented and what he, the, the plans that he has for you. You have to have confidence in your future and what God has for you ahead. You have to have confidence in God and who, his, he, who he's created you to be. That is the only way that whatever you're doing in life for God will be effective. But as long as you don't understand who you are, people that come to you, they're not going to come to you for answers. They're not going to come to you trying to draw from your anointing. They're not going to be attracted to you because you don't even understand the anointing that's on the inside of you. So as we move forward as a church, as we move forward as people of God, we have to understand that each and every one of us as believers are anointed. It's not based on your physical gifts. It's not based on uh, uh, how good you do something or how good you talk or how good you bake or how good you cook or how good you look or how much money you have and all of that stuff. It is only based on the anointing of Christ that is on the inside of you. If you didn't have confidence today, I wanted to encourage you today and tell you that it's not based on anything. It's not based on anything physical. It's not based on anything in this world that people will be drawn to you. People will be drawn to you for the Christ that's on the inside of you. The same Christ that said he was uh, commissioned to preach the gospel to the poor. The same Christ that said he was commissioned to set the captives free. That same anointing resides on the inside of you. And as you go around 
around in your daily lives, you will be able to preach the gospel to the poor. You will be able to set the captain's feet. People will be drawn to you because of the anointing on the inside of you. The anointing on your life. We've been deceived. We've been deceived in the church for a long time about what draws people. The scripture tells us right here in Jesus' ministry, what drew people to him. Can I go to one more scripture? Let's go to Matthew chapter 9. Because I just want to show you what the anointing does. Matthew chapter 9. Let's go to verse 9. Jesus did this many times with many of his disciples. And he never said that any of the 12 disciples that he asked to follow him hesitantly did so. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Everybody say he arose and followed him. What was it? All it says in the scripture that Jesus said was, follow me. What was it? Two words that made this man drop what he was doing to follow him. Was it tactics? Did he promise him, I'll pay for your meal? Did he promise him that if you go with me, man, I will, I'll, I'll get you whatever you want. I'll stop at the store, buy whatever you want. And those things are good. Those things, we should bless people. We should pay for people's meals as Christians, right? But what, it, what, 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 what drew him? Well, he just said, follow me. And so he arose and followed. Now, it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Why? Did the sinners come and sit down with him? Why did people just come and sit down with him and his disciples? But we're going to see the flip side of that right here. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Again, Jesus recognized who he was. He recognized his anointing. Matthew followed Jesus, not for any other reason, that he recognized the anointing on Jesus' life. Two words, y'all. Follow me. Matthew drops everything, falls him. Then he goes and sits at the table with sinners. See, the Pharisees had it messed up. They said, why does Jesus sit with, with sinners? But it wasn't Jesus sitting with the sinners. It was sinners sitting with Jesus. They were attracted and recognized the anointing that was on his life. So as you go out and you disciple, you go out, you make disciples, you lead people to Christ, Know that in your mind and in your heart, they're not coming to you 
because of how you look. They're not coming to you because of the color of your skin or how much money or drawn to whatever you could do in the, in the physical realm. They're coming to you because of who you are in the supernatural and the anointing that God has placed on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. And that's all I have this morning, so hope that it bless you. God bless you.